with y'all this morning. You guys are a funny group, man. Y'all, you guys are some comedians up here. Gary and Casey's been funny. Um, I've known Casey for a while. That's no surprise to me, but um, so good to be with you guys this morning. As Willie said, my name's Janice, my wife, Melissa. Uh, the church in Columbia, Missouri sends their greetings and their love. Um, you guys are a treasure in the heartland. Yeah. I just want you guys to know that. That's um, even just kind of the microcosm of who was up here to speak. I think about Perry. I've, Perry's just started coming around. And I think about how his life's changing. Yeah. And the conversions that I've gotten to just hear about. Just being here for 48 hours and hearing the lives change and the convictions that are being built. I mean, God is doing work Amen. here in Lawrence, Kansas. And you know, I appreciate the realness of, man, we're going through trial. Amen. But God still moves. Sometimes it takes trial for God to do his best work. And uh, you guys are an inspiration to the heartland. You're an inspiration to the church in Columbia. We look up to what God has done here and what you guys will continue to do. Amen. Um, my wife's going to share a little bit more about us, and then we'll get into work. Hi, guys. Good morning. Um, my name is Melissa, like Janice said, and it's so good to be with you all. It's so good to see all of your faces, all of your beards. Yes. <laughs> and, um, uh, it's been a really good weekend. We had the opportunity on Friday to be able to get with the young professionals and the campus students, and that was just so inspiring to see like half this room almost filled up with them. and. Uh, it was just so, so encouraging, and uh, we got to stay at Hotel O'Quinn oh, yeah. this weekend, and um, their downstairs bedroom is so comfortable. Felt like a little bed and breakfast, a little bit to us, yeah. a little getaway for the weekend, and um, Katie and Willie are amazing. They've been really best friends to us and have been there for us in our darkest moments. Um, Janice will share a little bit about those today, um, but it's just been an honor to be able to get time with them and to get time with all of you guys and to be able to meet you. So thank you so much for inviting us to come this weekend. Um, a little bit about us. Um, we both have been disciples for about 13 years now. I became a disciple over in Massachusetts. Janice became a disciple in Columbia. So like within two months of each other, didn't know each other. We got baptized um, the same year. And uh, we worked together in the ministry in Columbia from 2010 to 2014, um, got married in 2012, moved to Springfield, Missouri um, after a year of marriage to leave the church there. Um, we were only a year married and really didn't know anything of what we were doing, um, but I feel super grateful for the church in Springfield that they entrusted their hearts to us and to God, obviously, more importantly, and um, we got to serve there for four years, and uh, during that time within those four years, um, God blessed us with a little baby girl, and um, I actually lost her right after she was born, um, which was really a huge challenge for us. Katie was almost, I think, like about to give birth to Kylie, I think within like two weeks, and they literally drove to be with us mm -hmm. in Springfield and just were there for us, um, which I'm really grateful for. Sorry, I didn't get emotional about that. Um, but anyways, I'm very, very grateful for that and grateful for all the things that God taught us through that time um, in Springfield and through that time after losing our child. And we actually moved back to Columbia um, shortly after that, just because we needed time to heal and time to grieve. And um, God really has restored our hearts, restored our faith in so many ways. And um, we got to go through IVF um, to have this little baby in here. And uh, we're really excited. She's due in July. And it's been a journey being pregnant after losing a child, for sure. Um, but it is a great blessing. Anyways, we're excited to be with you guys this morning. Thank you so much again for having us uh, speak, and 
together by our father sometimes. Uh, it yields a great family. I think about the family we have here. I think about the Zieglers. I think about, um, you know, just you, you guys have, have, have so many faithful people in your church. Think about Kevin Anderson back there. Um, I feel like my wife and I are a product. I was conversion in the heartland. I got raised up here. You know, Vincent Robin Hawkins trained us in the ministry. You know, and I feel like I'm grateful because of the sacrifice of so many souls here who have been resolved so many times over the course of the years. So we would not be here, all the young guys being raised up powerfully. You know, think about Courtney and Aaron. You know, they're about to have a kid. Like, man, like we were raised up here because of people being resolved to love Jesus no matter the cost. Amen. So we're going to talk about a little bit more of that this morning. Think about resolutions, you know, and, and being resolved to love. I, my, uh, me and Melissa, obviously we're here visiting Katie and Willie as well, and uh, Willie and I were with uh, Kaylee and Kylie yesterday at the Great American Establishment of McDonald's. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, so I'm like, you know, Mike Coppy was over yesterday. Said, hey, you, you, guys, you, you guys just want to get some time? I'm like, yeah, man, I want to follow Willie. I want to learn how to be a dad, you know? And so I go and I'm trying to, like, take notes in my mind. What's he doing? What does he say here? What does he do there? And, and I'm like, man, he's making it look really easy right now. And uh, he's teaching me the finer points of fatherhood. And uh, just, you know, just he, he's so loving. And I think about all the ways, you know, the kids are so talented in so many ways, so loving, so giving. But I think about how they love their kids yeah. and how they serve their kids, how engaged they are. Willie is so engaged yeah. and loves his girl so much. So excited for the, little, the, the new little one coming up soon. But yesterday we were talking about, um, we were trying to get mo more pro tips from them as well. And, uh, Willie was talking about how he swaddled. He's a swaddling pro yes. with the kids. And, you know, and he was just like, he sounded like a football coach. You know, and, like, he was fired up about it. And I'm like, hey, bro, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing to swaddle? He's like, bro, I just swaddled them as tight as I could. And it was like a war between me and Kaylee, but she was a strong baby. But man, if I swaddled her as tight as I could, she'd just fall asleep, you know? And I was like, wow. That's what it means to father. Swaddle your baby real tight. If I can do that, I think I can pull this off. But it made me think about God as our heavenly father. And sometimes we just want to wiggle out. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm resolved to love you, man. Even if you don't know what's good for you, you need some rest. You need to go to bed. It's night-night time. You've been bad. You are, you are cranky. You are crying for no reason. I just fed you, so you're gonna get swaddled until you can't breathe, you know? And I'm, just gonna, and I'm gonna let you go a little bit so you can sleep. But sometimes that's who God is. He's all right, I'm gonna just stay there, okay? Quiet, sit down, and just let me love you. I'm resolved to love you no matter what, amen? Let's turn our Bibles to 1 John. Chapter 3. 
We'll talk about how, so we got we talk about being resolved through trial, it starts with God, who is always the first to be resolved, amen? amen. First John chapter three, verse one. Resolve is the difference between a man or woman who is exhausted from work, making dinner, cleaning dishes, and still finds a way to pray and read some scripture with their spouses or their children. Resolve is the difference between someone who's struggling with trusting God and still decides to share their faith with a coworker or a classmate or a neighbor. Resolve is the difference between a man who prays, Father, please take this cup from me, and quits. And from the man who prayed, Father, if it's not possible, may your will be done. Resolve is the difference between Jesus, who overcame death on the cross and still prayed for his enemies, and just another revolutionary who got killed by the Romans. Resolve is what makes the difference, and God ultimately is the first one to be resolved. Chapter 3, 1 John, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. God is the first to be resolved. We get, to, we get resolved to love people because God's resolved to love us. I think about this word being lavished by God, his love. God chooses to do that. How many times have we hurt God? And he says, you know what, I'm going to lavish my love upon you. Even though you don't deserve it, even though you hurt me, I'm going to give you the very best of my heart, day in, day out. I think sometimes we forget as Christians what kind of blood is in our spiritual DNA. We have the blood of something so great. If we have trouble getting resolved with what we need to change, let's first look at our Father. Let us look no further than Him, amen? He loves through pain daily to love us. You know, as our family, I feel like I owe it to y'all to share a little bit more about how everything went down with our first daughter, amen? Because we want you guys to know us. That's what family does, amen? And we haven't got a chance to share that with a lot of you guys, so I want to share about that a little bit, amen? But uh, a few weeks before, Melissa went into labor with Naomi. That was her name. We went to St. Louis to confirm all the tests that had been done. Because, at, you know, at Barnes Jewish Hospital, great hospital, some high-tech stuff there. And uh, we were, you know, it was a few weeks before everything happened, and we were able to see her face. And uh, this whole time, I thought she would look like my wife, uh, because in all the ultra, early ultrasounds, we just got the side profile, right? And she had Melissa's profile for sure. Uh, but the one in, in St. Louis, her face looked just like mine. It was scary. I was like, that's, that's my kid. <laughs> that is, uh, that, that's my girl. That's no doubt about it. Um, that was a little me. And uh, that was my baby girl. And to know that literally a part of myself was in my wife's womb and, and had swelling all over her body. Um, it hurt, you know, it hurts. Every day hurt. Every hour hurt. When you think about my, my kid is swelling. <laughs> and I can't do anything about it. Literally a part of me, the best part of me, the purest part of me was dying. Those weeks produced the pain that I would not wish on my worst enemy. Praying that God would take our daughter 
because we feared she would have a life of suffering. I don't, you know, you don't get baptized thinking you'd ever pray such things. That that would be the desire of your heart. Like, God, it would be great if you just took her, man. Because I can't bear to live with that. But what's crazy is as much as I still hurt and grieve over her sometimes, it's been a couple of years. They say the grieving process takes three to five years. We're on year three, close to year three. It still comes up. I think about our new daughter, I'm like, it brings up the old, you know, my first. Sometimes I call her, I call Ruth by Naomi by mistake. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not, that's not her. But as much as I hurt, God has to watch so many more of his sons and daughters in pain every single day. In spiritual pain, the worst kind of pain. So if we want to talk about where we can learn to be resolved from, why don't we look at God? Who has to go through things every day past the pain of our wildest imaginations. If there's anyone that knows how to love, even when it hurts, like painful, like stabbing in the heart hurts, it's our Father. If there's anyone that can choose to, you know, here's the thing about God. He can end his suffering at any moment's notice. He'd be like, well, I'm done with y'all. This just hurt too much. He can press the reset button. At any point, he doesn't. We can learn from that, amen? Amen. He chooses to give us free will and let us love him back every single day. Even though that may mean, here's the kicker, many of his own kids will die without ever getting to meet him. What's God and me, personally, through this whole thing, is that one day, if I stay true to Jesus, I I will see my daughter again one day. I'll see my kid again one day. I'll get to introduce my new kid to her one day. It'll be awesome. I think about it. It gives me hope. It gives me promise. It gives me fired up to share my faith. I have a guarantee from God that if I just don't quit, I'll be, we'll be a family for all of eternity. With everybody else here, we'll be singing kumbaya until our, just, you know, our throats hurt. It'll be great, right? I get to see my girl who literally was created in my own image. Look like me. And for those of us with spouses and kids, if we all stay faithful, we have that promise to see each other again. Those of us in the campus ministry, in the Yoko, we get to see each other again. We have that promise. But guess who doesn't have that luxury with his own kids? God doesn't have that. He chooses to not have that because it wouldn't be love if we were robots. God loses so many of his own children every single day. Kids that were created that look just like him. He loses them for all of eternity. But despite that, he still is resolved to keep seeking after us and to keep pursuing us. Just like he does this morning, just like he will tomorrow, just like he will Tuesday, just like he will at Wednesday after midweek and before midweek and so on and so forth. And yet sometimes we have the nerve to tell God that I just don't feel like getting resolved to read my Bible. I could li- easily plug it in, the aux cords right there, or hit the Bluetooth, whatever. I can listen to you, and I just don't feel like it. Are you serious? We have the nerve to say that sometimes. I have the nerve to say that. That praying and talking to you, this is too hard. Praying and talking to somebody else about you, it's just too hard. It's too painful. 
gosh, I, if I talk to this person, they're going to shun me. In the light of what God's done, can we, can we, can we just think about that for a second? It just doesn't add up, right? It doesn't add up. That talking to others about his great love for us is too hard. Can we really honestly say that in light of who God is? When we start having thoughts like that, guys, and I'll be the first to do that. Sin of omission, man. I do it. It happens all the time. If we start having thoughts like that, one thing is clear. And that's the fact that we've forgotten who our father is. We've forgotten who our whose children we are. We've forgotten that our father is a fighter. And if you're a Christian this morning, the blood of a fighter runs through your veins. It is your actual makeup. It is who you are. We've forgotten that our DNA is built on overcoming pain, on overcoming trials. That's what we're wired to do. We serve a God who literally, his nature is through is to fight through pain every day. And we got baptized into him. He will do everything he can to make sure all of his kids get to heaven. So here's the thing, guys. We can't get mad when his plan doesn't involve our comfort all the time. Because his plan is not to make us comfortable. His plan is meant to get us to heaven. His prerogative is not, oh, these guys love it down here. No, it's not his prerogative. It's like, I don't want y'all to stay down here. That's not, not going to work. It doesn't, here doesn't cut it. My prerogative is to get you with me. Amen. And God knew that only one man could lead us to him, and that's Jesus. So not only was God resolved to love us, he was also resolved to help us become like Jesus. Amen? Amen. So yes, let's, re- let's be resolved to be like Jesus. That's our second point. First point is God's resolved to love us. Second point is he's resolved to help us be like Jesus. Verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The end game is for us to look not like Janice, not like Melissa, not like Willie and Katie, not like Chris Edwards back there, as much of a stud as he is. It's to look like Jesus. Amen. We have to be resolved to be like him. You know, this verse reminds me that God's plan isn't to give me everything I want. It's to prepare me for when Jesus comes back. Because when he comes back, this verse says, I need to look like him. I need to look like him. I'm not going to cut it, right? Too much fear, too much pride, too much of everything else that's not good. But if I can be more like Jesus by the time he comes back, I'll be all set. You know what? I'll help some people along the way by the grace of God. So when our father puts us in situations when it's clear he's calling us to change, we can be resolved to change because we can know that in the discomfort of it all, it's meant to what? 
we're going to look like Jesus on the other side of it. Yeah. It's not just pain just to have pain. Not like a parent ever disciplines the kid just to discipline a kid, unless you're a bad parent, right? There's a point to the toughness. There's a point to the adversity, like Perry talked about. And sometimes it's just life can be annoying, you know? But we got to even see through the annoying, to the most challenging, to the most obnoxious. God's got a plan through it all. Amen. Think about Hillary back there. I remember when Hillary, when Hillary, Hillary was Hillary Long. I remember she was on a, a date with one of my best friends. I was, he, he was borrowing my car. Were you on this date when Brandon wrecked the car? You remember that? Anyways. <laughs> my best friend, I was on a date with a, a different girl that I was taking out, not my wife, in Springfield. And I get a phone call from one of my best buddies. Yeah, I, mean, I, wrecked, I wrecked your car. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is obnoxious. I'm trying to take this girl out. I'm three hours away. God has a plan for that. I don't know what. So that's on the annoying spectrum, right? How about the really hard spectrum? About a week before Melissa gave birth, I was flat out not resolved to be like Jesus. We were getting ready to go to bed. This was about a few weeks before it happened, and uh, Melissa felt like she was having contractions. And for me, that was worst-case scenario, because if we gave birth to Naomi in Springfield, that gave her less chance of survival. Springfield is just not as advanced as St. Louis. You know, Barnes Jewish is, is a world-class hospital. Have had the resources that she needed to be helped if she could be helped at all, and also the genetic testing would, would you know, all that could start there. So the plan was, if contractions led to an early birth, we would get lifelighted to St. Louis. Did not want any parts of that or that bill. Amen? <laughs> we, were on the, we weren't planning to have kids. We were on the catastrophic plan. Here we are, catastrophic situation. By the grace of God. <laughs> so a week later, of course, after we, we get this rundown of the plan in case it happens, what happens? Worst case scenario happens. Where I, I remember thinking, I'm on this tiny little one single engine Cessna plane with my wife strapped with a heart monitor with these, you know, these nurses that look like they're out of Taka. You know, like, what, 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 what is my life? You know, the nurses, it's a life flight plan, you know? So they look like they're on a mission, you know? So, but um, I just can't believe it's happening. The contractions totally exposed my fear. And uh, I was petrified of that possibility. So that happened a few weeks, maybe a week after that, but there was a week where it was a false alarm. She was having contractions. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the real deal. My wife is telling me to calm down. <laughs> and I'm the one struggling while my wife's having contractions. She's saying, you need to chill out. I'm like, you're having contractions. She's like, I know, I feel the contractions. You need to relax. <laughs> and I was like, this is my life right now. <laughs> my lack of trust in God and his plan is his decisions to make me be like Jesus was totally revealed in that moment. Because I told God that, you know, if I had this honest prayer, I don't know if I can handle anything else. So if you take me there, we're going to have some problems. And God's like, we will have some problems. You're going to have to get your heart right. <laughs> I felt like I was losing my daughter, and that should be it. Can't have any more discomfort beyond that. Okay, Like, let's just do this and can't we just make it as pain-free as possible on the way there? Why should I have to go through any more suffering? So we had the false alarm before we got life lighted, and I had a long talk with Jesus the next morning. And, uh, you know, I, it was a real place. Like I, I told God I'd never felt like 
I was in a place where I had so much to lose. And uh, I told God when, when I was a junior in college that I would never leave him. But back then, I didn't have any kids. I didn't even want kids. Uh, I didn't have a wife. No one in my family was a Christian. My, my mom's a Christian now. My sister's a Christian now. But now, you know, I feel like when you when you longer in the kingdom, God gives you so much. You start accumulating these, these earthly blessings that are supposed to make you want to go to heaven. But sometimes like, ah, this is pretty awesome here. I don't know if I want to go. And it was clear, despite all that, that I was probably going to lose my child. So for me, my trust issues came out because now I'm worried about what if he takes my wife? My wife was on a blood pressure monitor the last month of our pregnancy. There was a chance she could have what they called mirror syndrome. When the mom starts to mirror the symptoms of the baby, Naomi's body was starting to fail. So they had to make sure Melissa's body didn't start failing. Big fear for me. I'm like, this, I, am I going to lose my whole family? What if he takes away our ability to have kids? And, you know, that night, I remember thinking, the night before, I remember thinking, God, I might walk away. This is really hard. I don't know if I can take all that. That night revealed that I was not resolved to be like Jesus. But I remember that next morning, if anyone knew what it was like to have everything, then lose everything. It was Jesus. Jesus was in heaven, literally had everything, everything. But he was resolved to love us and help us get right with God. So he literally lost everything so that I would just have the chance to get to heaven. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 8 real quick. And to me, this verse is profound. You got to think about where Jesus was at, man. Hanging out with, you know, with the, the legends and the faith. Maybe he was, you know, even just, it was him and, you know, the father, right? Like, that's an amazing situation. God breaks down the news. You got to go down there. Why? I don't want to go down there. Yeah, you got to go down there. You got to die the death of a criminal. You gotta wash those nasty feet before you do that. Why? <laughs> Let's see why. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Here's what I have to realize God is resolved. To make me like a man who lost everything. His goal for me is to turn me into a guy that lost it all. So I shouldn't be surprised if I start losing things. Otherwise, I will never understand Jesus. And I would never have this appreciation for the Lord if we don't go through the things that we go through. God is not resolved to give us a life of comfort. He's resolved to get us and as many of these lost people as possible to heaven. Getting everything our way is not going to get us there. The question is, are we resolved to be like Jesus? As a church, if you're visiting this morning, we're, we're, we're a family church. We are committed to repentance and discipleship. Which means God is always calling us to changing and growing. Yeah. Not a day goes by where we don't count the cost and say, am I willing to change again today? Yeah. But before we get to resolve to make changes, have we looked 
and examined and tried to be inspired and just meditated on the man who was resolved to make any and every change for us. Because if there's any reason for our schedules to be inconvenienced, for our emotions to be maybe disturbed or brought up or hurt, if there's any reason for our budgets to have to get readjusted, even though it's tax season, like Casey was talking about, if there's any reason for our priorities or our to-do list to be rearranged, the reason to make whatever change we need to make is to honor and be like Jesus. The man who changed everything in his life for us. <laughs> the man didn't just change his job, his schedule, his budget, his relationship, his dynamic with the father, right? He was literally there with him. He said, I'm going to change that up too. I'm going to change my relational structure, everything about that. The man changed his entire existence. He went from heaven, stripped of everything. Literally to where he had nothing, not even God, on the cross. If you and I say we're disciples of Jesus, that's the man God is trying to mold us into. That's the gold standard. That's the goal. That is our focus. That's our heart. That's our song. That's our mission. Is how can I be like him? If that's not our goal, we should just walk away right now. Because otherwise we're playing church. This is social club, if that is not the point. We can find that in any, you know, any church, any contemporary Christianity church, that's what it's about. It's feeling good. Yeah. Christianity is, I will go through whatever if it helps me be like him. Yeah. Even if it means, for our first century brothers, brothers and sisters, death. They rejoiced at suffering back then. It's all over the Bible. They were like, oh my gosh, I got whipped. Yes, my life has been fulfilled. We'd be like, oh, it's awful. Somebody take me to the you know, physical therapist. I don't know. Guys, <laughs> if we don't want to look like Jesus, if we don't want his scars in some shape or form, whether metaphorically or actual, literally, we have to question whether or not we actually want to be a disciple. And this is a little too serious. There's a reason. Okay? I, held, I, I held my kid for 15 minutes. God took her home. Life's short. It took me, it took that from me to be like, all right, well, amen, God. I learned it, I think. Life's short. It's precious. We have the, us breathing right now. That's not from us. It's God giving us another chance to be more like Jesus. That's the point of this. Every breath we get is another chance to be more like Jesus. Because only his son can bring us back to him. And God loves us so much that he will put us through any pain on earth so that we can bring ourselves, our family, and our friends with him. Amen? Amen. I was studying some commentaries for this chapter. I found this quote from a guy named David Guzik. Give him some credit here. Uh, I didn't make this up, it's from him. So it convicted my soul. It says, quote, the Christian should long to be like Jesus, yet remember that God will never force a person to be like Jesus if he doesn't want to. And that is what hell is for. People who don't want to be like Jesus. The sobering eternal truth is this. 
God gives man what he really wants. If you really want to be like Jesus, it will show in your life now, and it will be a fact in eternity. If you don't really want to be like Jesus, it will show in your life now, and it will also be a fact in eternity. Let's be resolved to be like the Son. Amen? Amen. Let's turn back to 1 John chapter 3. Come on, Jim. We'll wrap this up. Amen? Amen. We're going to skip down to verse 16. Chapter 3 of our primary text, and we'll finish it up in verse 16. God was resolved to love us so that we are resolved to be like him. Ultimately, why? What's the end result of all this? Chapter 16 breaks it down for us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. How do we respond to all this? By resolving to love each other. It doesn't matter how much pain we've caused one another. Sometimes we get on each other's deepest nerves. Sometimes we hurt each other. Yeah. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Where our Lord was hurt by a guy he personally trained for three years. Stabbed him in the back for the price of a bond servant. 30 shekels. It's all he was worth to Jesus. Worth nothing. Welcome to being like Jesus. <laughs> That's who he was. Hurt by the guy he loved the most. Washed his feet, knowing this guy's going to kill me. I'm going to scrub this scum off his toes. That's Jesus. John's, John, who used to not be the apostle of love, used to would love to kill anyone that didn't want to listen to Jesus, right? Or the son of thunder. He's like, they won't listen to us. Let's just blow it up. Just blow it up. They won't listen. God's like, that's not love, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting this. <laughs> Let's just pray for them. I don't know anything but that. <laughs> and he somehow he got it, right? By the end of his life, this is who had be, he had become. Yeah. This is who we all can become as we grow in more in Christ-likeness. There's so much to cover in this chapter. Bottom line is this. Jesus loved us by sacrificing everything for us. There was nothing he would not do. He resol resolved to love us. Verse 16 tells us that in order to respond to everything he's done, we resolve to love our brothers and sisters. God tells us here that we display that we love God when we sacrifice everything for his family. When we give our lives to helping God's kids, nothing brings more joy to God's heart. You know, my wife, she's been a soldier through everything we've gone through. Obviously now she's carrying our second child. She's awesome. I love her to death. But through the first one, you know, in the, in the midst of the last few weeks before Naomi was born, her heart was still to love my daughter to the full, even though she was grieving already. She still sang spiritual songs to my daughter. When we sang, uh, there is a God, he is alive, we always, we both cry every time. Because she would sing that every day to Naomi. We could sing that right now. I'd start tearing up. She still ate, you know, she would still go to the organic market and get the good good stuff for the daughter, you know. And I was like, man, she's still eating, like, whatever she can eat that's good and healthy. She would still do that. When the doctors told us that we, we, we might have needed a C-section at one point on the spot 
to one of our, you know, we went to St. Louis just for a checkup. Now, you might need a C-section because carrying this on another day might actually be harmful to your wife. I was like, let's do it. You know, my, I, it was crazy. You know, I was like, okay, there's a priority here. My wife was like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to carry my kid, even if it hurts me. Even if I get hurt through this, I'm not doing that. She wanted to carry Naomi to full term as long as she was alive so that our daughter could have the best chance at life. My wife was willing to lay down her life for our child. And here's the thing, it made me love her. I was like, as the father of that kid, like, oh my gosh, you love my kid to that degree that you would be willing to die. When we lay down our lives for God's kids, how much more do you think they'll feel loved by us? Even after we've hurt each other. Even after we've sinned against each other. He's like, oh my gosh, you get my heart when you do this. You are willing to lay it all on the line for, for your sibling, even though they don't in one sense deserve it. Oh my gosh. Man, something good is happening down here right Amen. now. My challenge to you today to close out. Write down the names of two people from the body of Christ and two people from the community. Two people from our family, two people from the folks that we're trying to reach out to. That you may feel like God is calling you to lay, your lay down your life for. And I want to, before you do that, I want to encourage you. You know, this, this verse tells us, right? Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Um, we don't like being pitied, right? But other translations of this read, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, closes his heart. That's what that means. We close our hearts against each other. The ESV, that's, that's actually the ESV, the Berean Study Bible reads, but withholds his compassion from him. That's what this is about. It's about compassion. We develop a heart of compassion for one another when we pray for each other. Guys, before you write that list down, take some time this week just to pray for every single person in your church. If you're a member of the Lawrence Church of Christ, I challenge you by the end of this week, pray through every single person. Pray through every single soul. Pray for their kids. Because we're family, guys. God gave us one another to you know, help us get to heaven. Pray for, and I'm, I'm, I guarantee you might end up with more than two people on your list. I'm sorry, my bad. It might cost some money. Let me move this way. You're going to end up with more than two people on your heart. You're going to end up with a list of people. And your heart for one another will grow. Just watch it grow. Your compassion will grow. Another thing I want to challenge you guys to, for the lost, when's the last time we've gone on Jericho walks for the lost? Some of us remember those days. Yeah. Walk around downtown. Walk around campus. Go on a Jericho walk. It might be a little uncomfortable, but it's a way to get resolved. Wherever, go around your neighborhood. Go around the school. Whatever the case may be, go on a Jericho Get the lost in your heart. And I guarantee you, there will be people, God will put people in your life yeah. that you can lay down your life for. Amen. 
Even if it's just four. If you pray through all that and you end up with four, sometimes it's quality over quantity. Amen. That's all good. Spirit will move. He'll, let, he'll, he'll give you the right number. Here's the thing, guys. We, we do that. That could be just one single person a week for the next month. Imagine how much closer the Lawrence Church of Christ will be. The Free State Church, I'm sorry. Imagine how much closer the family will be. So guys, let's remember, God was resolved to love us. He was resolved to also help us be like Jesus. And in turn, we should be resolved to love others. If we can focus on those three things, we will have a resolve of a father who loves us and gives us way more than we can ask or imagine. Amen? Amen. I love you guys.